0: College is brought to you in part by Osiris Media. If you love live music, if you love music in general, and I know you do because you're listening to this right here, head on over to OsirisPod.com and find all the great shows up there uh, like Freak Flag Flying with David Crosby, uh, Dead to Me, uh, our sister podcast hosted by Casey Ray, Broke Down Pod hosted by our friend Jonathan Hart. Find all that and more at OsirisPod.com, who are partnered with Jambase, to bring you not just podcasts and videos, but live events as well. Osiris Media, killing it on the regular. Now let's get on with the show.
1: Okay.
2: It happens here, and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man. Merely a. Two-word review just a shit
0: sandwich. I
1: won't
0: roll the record up the last that. That right there is a lot of fun. Welcome back to the musical. But You are now tuned in to yet another exciting adventure with us here on Discal. Out. I mean, as I Kevin, as usual, Coming going to you live from a tiny shack, just outside of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Got a great little show for you today. Going to be talking about one Dan Deacon. Uh, Some people say he's an electronic artist. Some people say he's a genius. We're going to talk more about that. But really, uh, this is a conversation about what is art, why we art, why we love art. Uh, These are all the things that Dan uh, encompasses, and uh, on his new album *Mystic Familiar*, he uh, he sort of sort of reached a peak, I think. Drew is going to join us, our friend Drew uh, from outside DC is going to join us to talk about this in a few minutes, uh, but also on the show we're going to be talking about a uh, a fave of mine, The North Country is Coming Back Kids, Andrew Grossman's unit, and they have a song called Freaks, so if you hang out after our Dan Deacon discussion, you're going to hear a little bit more about that, and you're going to hear a track, so, so please hang in there. Uh, so that is what we're going to be doing on this show. Now is the point where you can check out if you're like, this is not for me. This is not my thing. Go ahead, man. It's cool. It's cool. You've probably listened to one of our other almost 500 episodes. Uh, so we're still friends. It's, it's fine. But, uh, but if it is your thing, I say let's get this thing going. So here you go, just to get you in the mood. For people who love Dan Deacon, you know you already love this song. If you are if you're new to Dan Deacon, welcome, because you're gonna love this song and this whole album and this discussion. Here is Dan Deacon off of Mystic Familiar, "Become a Mountain." All right. Right, that's a little bit of Become a Mountain off of Dan Deacon's 5th LP, a Mystic Familiar. He, he currently resides in, in Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, he has a long uh, history in music as far as being educated, which is something that we don't often talk about artists uh, on the show, how they come to it. Some of them, just, especially DIY kids, pick up an instrument and they're making their shit. Uh, with Dan Deacon, uh, My Man Went to School. He got shit done, and he, uh, and at some point, he just decided to pick up from New York City, head down to Baltimore, and this scene. It didn't necessarily rise up around him, but it certainly is thriving. I think in part because of him. Would you say?
2: Yeah, uh, Baltimore definitely has a a, a really active uh, music scene, art scene. It has for you know well over a decade, I think, um, mm-hmm. where we've we've been close to it. You know, you being in DC until a year ago i guess and, and me still in the area um and and there's a number of, i think that scene is loomed large in the dc area too it's um and a lot of great bands and i think yeah dan was a, a big part of that yeah yeah for sure
0: you had like wyoke coming out of there you had lower dens coming out of there recently um beach, and house. It, beach house yeah it and, and it is very much whereas dc has um You know, we all know about the cost of housing or whatnot, and it is uh, a very um, on-edge town. Baltimore is a very uh, laid-back town, and the art scene reflects that. It is like sort of a borough you might find in New York, all in one city. It's it's pretty rad up there. Uh, A lot of friends making music up there. Uh, Sadly, not Dan. Dan is not one of our friends, and I don't know how I made it in D.C. for 10 years and loving his music and not – I, I just never talked to them, but I saw a bunch of shows, man. Right, and, and and the shows are part of part of the appeal. Here is is when you go to a Dan Deacon show, uh, it is audience participation, but it's a little more than that. It's it's the audience is invested in it. People, casual people, don't show up at Dan Deacon shows. They're there for the service. They're there for church. They're there to receive their communion. And um, this is this is a whole other side of him. So when uh, I first heard of him, I remember I was like, okay, that's cool. That sounds like a whole thing. But why would I listen to a record? And slowly, 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 I've I've come around to like one of the few essential artists, I think, in my world, at least, is Dan Deacon. If he's going to make something and he's going to take the time to do that uh, and it isn't going to be just part of a show then it's worth your uh, time to listen to it this is this is no exception this is um building on a lot of stuff that he did on prior albums but uh he uh i don't know like just hyper ecstatic is that is that the best way to say
2: it yeah ecstatic's a good word um yeah uh you know a little over a decade ago in in dc i had some friends and and roommates who uh, loved him, and you know edm and and electronic music was was their thing and they would come back from Dan Deacon shows just in an ecstatic mood. Um, and, and I wasn't, uh, you know, at that time, I think overly interested at my head was, was elsewhere music wise. Um, I did wind up catching Dan Deacon opening for arcade fire at the, uh, DC's basketball arena. And, uh, yeah, you know, I think true to form, how he typically does these shows is he sets up on the floor with the people amongst the the crowd, um, and he was literally orchestrating a, a an arena floor full of people in this kind of crowd choreography during the set, and it was really spectacular to watch. It was a lot of fun, um, and I did wind up going and listening to some of his albums, and and you know. I think, like a lot of us, you know, a genre that we don't normally um, listen to. There's, there's usually kind of one or two artists that pop through, and kind of you know um, bridge that gap. And uh, he turned out to be one of them for me. Um, I think there's aspects to his music that kind of reach me as more of a rock fan than than maybe a lot of kind of electronic music does. Really, around the production, the organic nature of of the music he's doing.
0: Right with the Sonics, that's that's, that's interesting for you to, to hear you say that because with the Sonics of this is that my experience you know and and other bands you're talking about here are people like LCD Sound System they're they're the big one that really got people in that could satisfy the rockist and the uh, the crate digger and the uh, the electronic nerd the analog synths um, and with with Dan though it's it, it's this weird effect of it sounds and and this is across this catalog it sounds like absolute chaos most of the time it it, it's too much going on it's overload until it doesn't and and he creates these worlds that he is he clearly is like the sun in these worlds and 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 sort of invites you into this orbit this is i think plays into a lot of the themes or maybe the general theme of this album you know he wanted to uh talk about
1: Uh,
0: not not necessarily communing with nature but being more in tune with the world around you uh, a little bit more there's this track on here uh, called sat by a tree that is literally about him going outside and sitting by a tree
1: sat by a tree
0: And looking and and really thinking about what that means, and, and this was this came from uh, when it came time to make this album, uh, partially the 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 world that we exist in right now, but there is a uh, I believe it's Brian Eno you know, has a set of like flashcards and it's drawn for inspiration. The oblique par- strategies. Yeah, the oblique strategies, and and he's he's doing this and pairing that with med- meditation, actual meditation, working on the self, and then immediately pivoting it back into his work and i think on especially on on the more chaotic of these songs i think what is remarkable about it is that you you start to you you take you commit to taking the ride and you get down into that chaos and all of a sudden it's just like you you come through the clouds and all the parts just shift around just right and it all like you can have like 27 different instruments going on at once on this record and it all of a sudden all makes sense and you hear them. and it, and it, and it is a uh, you know audio is used a lot in, in in meditative tools you can buy a bunch of sleep apps that will uh play uh what is the binaural sound uh that that will sort of attune your brain waves and I think he's achieving something like that here.
2: Yeah, I think um there's this kind you know, you know, the world kind of moves toward entropy in general, but I think his music oftentimes kind of goes in the opposite direction. You start in this sort of um, state of entropy, it's chaos. Um, and, and it, you know, that, that ultimately resolves in some way to kind of more of a, a peaceful um, place to, to mm-hmm. you know, wind up. And it's kind of, I, I, I take it as sort of like a tension release he kind of you know it, like bit. songs might start with tension with some conflict some you know chaos if you will but it does start to resolve into something that becomes a little bit more unified and ecstatic
0: yeah that that, that ecstatic place is 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 a hell of a place to find yourself especially uh, for an old like uh, me you're not, you're not quite old now, but it is, it is you know, almost like remembering your childhood a little bit. I, You know, I, I want to get a little more into those songs, but I also want to highlight uh, what I was saying up front, is how this guy is a master uh, compositional uh, worker. And uh, this is something I haven't heard on his records before, necessarily, but there's this track on here, uh, Weeping Birch, that is just... Absolutely uh, gorgeous. So let's hear a little bit of this right now. This is a little bit of Weeping birch Dan's done a lot of, of soundtrack work as of late. Um, and, uh, a lot of, that's what instrumental workers tend to lean towards. Uh, and, but this concentrates on the stuff he's also performed in a lot of, uh, highfalutin venues, uh, based on, on this. And there's a feeling to that track that is, uh, in a, in an album that, that is all about i think in part making you feel better that it really is like the highlight of that the cycle where it's just like wow this is you know you're just you've just landed in this in this perfect safe place that that dan deacon has created for you and and just sit back and, and enjoy it man
2: yeah i guess he, he since uh his last proper album gliss riffer um he's done a bunch of uh work in I guess what would be loosely considered classical music. I don't, you know, um, and, and that, that, that may have, it, 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 I I think probably influenced this album to some extent. There's almost this Wendy Carlos quality to this album. Uh, Wendy Carlos being a, uh, you know, innovator in kind of electronic classical music, if you will. Um, outstanding stuff. I encourage everybody to go check her out. And like that song in particular definitely kind of has a, a a wendy carlos impact um for me it's a it's a song i think that that exemplifies just the the fact that like when you threw this album at me hey dan deacon's got a new album and i checked it out like i don't know if i you know at the time i didn't feel like this was an album i wanted to listen to i don't know if my head was in that space (laughs) and then i listened to it and i was like wow i didn't realize how much i needed to hear this album um it it uh I, I definitely do not think that he was writing a political album. Um, it's not, you know, the lyrics aren't really political per se, but for me personally, it is a very political album, um, considering just the, the times we're living in. You know, it's 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 kind of dark. Um, we've maybe lost sort of a, a shared connection with each other, uh, division, all of this kind of stuff, and... This album really exemplifies, I think, what his shows do, which is bring everybody together into this shared experience where we're all a part of it. Um, and we're all on the same plane, if you will. And uh, that was exactly what I got when I listened to this album.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, I, I, you know, I, I feel safe saying we're both complete like music nerds. Um, part of that is achieved, I think, through there, there's this whole like suite in the middle of it, the uh, ARP one through four. That is uh the ARP is a is a type of synthesizer and also short for arpeggio and it's um and it is using that and it, it it is it is gloriously geeky even as it is uh it is a complex exercise in the language of music. Um and The generosity, I think, that went into that—well, that it feels like went into uh, this—is something you just don't get from other artists. Uh, There's a there's a lot of talk when we talk about artists about you know being egoless and whatnot, but there's there's not a lot of talk about artists being generous Mm -hmm. with their art. And 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 I think uh, you know if we go with the theory that all art is created for a purpose. Uh, i think i think you're right it's not necessarily a political album but it is it made you feel like it was you you really needed to hear it at this point
2: i did yeah um it 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 uh it definitely did something to me that i was i was feeling like i was needing a a connection Uh, maybe it's that connection to the beauty of nature and just you know the beauty of, of of everybody kind of being together, sharing an experience that I haven't been feeling in, in a couple of years now, for yeah. sure. Um, and I don't think that an overtly political album could have done that for me.
0: No, no. If it, if it was just like screaming about like Trump is bad, the, the planet's going to die. It's like all this stuff. You know, we all knew that.
2: We're all in that choir. So right. you don't need to preach to it,
1: <laughs> right? Right,
0: right. And and it is uh, it you know it's these people that are out there holding out hands. Uh, it's happening in jazz a lot. It's happening uh, all over the place. But artists react to this stuff uh, the same way we react to this stuff, and it, and they just they just express it differently. You or I might go out and like a bunch of snarky tweets, right? Right. and Dan Deacon is going to build a fucking drum robot, um, which he did for this, right?
2: He'd yeah, I was. Yeah, the, the 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 drum robot thing is is amazing to me because I <laughs> I, I remember mentioning to you, you know, mm-hmm. yes, this is kind of a, a programmed album, electronic album in a, in a sense, mm-hmm. but I was, you know, the sounds are very organic. Um, there's a lot of acoustic drum sounds on here. Uh, And then I watched there's a there's a YouTube video um, about his making of this album, and he literally built a drum robot and then programmed it. (laughs) And it's hitting real drums. And, uh, you know, I guess as a rock guy like that, you know, I love hearing just the acoustic drums. But the guy built a robot. He didn't hit drums and sample well, them and then he's program. Been,
0: he's been messing with this for a long time, and I think this is like he took it up to another level. And that that video we'll put in the show notes because it is essential viewing. Um, for it, just if you've been a fan of Dan Deacon for a while, it's just him nerding out in his in his home and showing you these drum robots. I mean, when you have like what is it like eight maracas beating on like a timpani, right. like timed up, <laughs> like that type of like uh mad genius like leads to these effects and and i I can only imagine like what is left on the cutting room floor for a dan deacon album
2: you know (laughs) there's got to be a lot too because you know it's obvious he spent a lot of time um not just you know working on the album but working on what was going to be a part of the album um the disc that he's using—that I think a lot of these arpeggiated kind of synth sounds you're hearing—is that, which is is no joke of an instrument. I, I think it's you know a couple hundred thousand dollars to get one of these things. Uh-huh. Um, but you have to program it, and programming a disc is like a a discipline <laughs> all on itself. Um, so you know there, yeah, it, it's it's recognizing that, that there was just a lot of effort and. uh passion you know in the process of yeah. putting an album like this together
0: yeah and 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 to be clear like you and i both make music and i i think you and i's brains are both broken in exactly the same way by that level of stuff like when you say somebody has to program something you are like okay i can program some drums or something but but this is a whole other thing and it's using like a completely different uh it's a duality of skill sets that that is Remains fascinating to me. I mean, this is, uh, for like, this is almost some Rain Man level bullshit. Uh, this is, uh, it's just like how you can get anything out of it. And somehow in this chaos that he's creating, uh, not just in the music, but in his work and how he works, like he, he hears that that vibration, that melody
2: it's like the the second law of thermodynamics in reverse you know it's like this chaos in this in his brain um and then through that process he uh he brings it to somewhere that makes sense so what track what track was the one that hooked you the track that hooked me the most for reasons i can't necessarily you know describe is fell into the ocean Beautiful song, um, you know. Reminds me a little bit of Animal Collective, maybe. I was, like I was
0: a, just gonna say that.
2: Um, another Baltimore band, or at least originally a Baltimore band. Um, so they, they probably were kind of running in the same circles and influencing each other a little bit. But yeah, this album definitely has a little bit of an Animal Collective vibe. Um, it doesn't go into uh, confrontationally harsh audio sound that <laughs> Animal Collective. <laughs>
0: Tends to do. That's a nice way of putting
2: that. Um, it's pulling definitely from the more prettier side of uh, of Animal Collective, at least in some degree.
0: This this thing that uh, a lot of people have talked about as like sort of a renaissance of psychedelia, uh, Animal Collective was a part of uh, that is is a different kind of psychedelia, uh, not and one that I didn't actually recognize so much as such until recently. But 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 I but I get it. Uh, that's also a uh, sort of a homework of a lot of baltimore music you know if you think of beach house like that it's it's dreamy it's gauzy it's it's uh
2: washed uh, out with reverb and yeah mm-hmm.
0: yeah yeah stuff like that and and so this mood um that, that he's creating again i think it's back to where he can put you not in a trance but like it's just meditative aid anything to get you to slow down and, and essentially not focus. That's what meditation is. You focus until you don't.
2: Maybe that's one of the reasons why I've um, been so taken with this album is, you know, that's something that I've been struggling to do is, you know, life is crazy. The world is crazy. How do you take yourself out of that and just let your brain float and relax and, and kind of unfocus yourself? And uh, th- th- that's definitely where I found myself with this album.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure, and 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 I don't know if he – if that was the intention going into it. I mean it's clear if you watch the Making of video that that is sort of what he landed on, and I think he's actually made his own set of uh, cards, the Oblique Strategies cards, uh, based on stuff that he did in, in this. Um sort of sort of even passing that along to fellow creatives, just be like, you know, I made this and you can make it too and here's how.
2: I'd love to get my hands on those because I, I have the oblique strategy deck and uh it can be useful to kind of, you know, whenever you're in sort of a rut, a creative rut, it, it it can take you out of that and put you in different places, challenge yourself, look at things differently.
0: Because this was the first time I'd ever heard of that, what what are kind of what are some of the things that are on this
2: thing? So the oblique strategies is uh, kind of a a tool or method that Brian Eno developed in the 70s to kind of get out of get out of the box, really, I think, in the studio. So, um, you know, probably the most famous one is honor thy error as hidden intention. Um, So, you know. You might make a mistake, or something you think is a mistake, but uh, actually look closer at that that mistake. You know, there might be there might be intention there. Um, courage is another one, um, but it's it's essentially you know if you feel like you're stuck, kind of pull a card out of this deck, and then think about what that card is telling you, and and actually follow it, um, and, and see where it takes you. And, and interesting things can happen, I think, in, in, in a creative process because it, it shakes things up. It forces you to get out of yourself.
0: You know, it's right. I don't know about your relationship to Eno's music. I, I'm not a huge fan, um, but as a producer, I am. Uh, I think, you know, he's obviously produced a lot of genius work. In fact, most of the genius work of the 20th century or late 20th century. Um, and um, that to me is, is fascinating because... There's and I'm I'm strictly from a musical perspective, there's this old saying that uh those who can't do teach. And uh that's what I've always thought about Brian Eno. You know, I'm I'm never gonna put on like a Brian Eno album and be like, I'm I'm getting a lot out of that. But something like this, the oblique strategies cards, like that is that's that's valuable uh creative information and input and assistance uh that he's earned from 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 all his work that he's done.
2: Absolutely. He's obviously uh yeah very influential um uh you know producer if you will he doesn't consider you know Eno doesn't consider himself a, a musician or a producer per se. He's kind of an engineer um and and the studio is his instrument. Um and I th- you know, obviously I think uh Dan Deacon you know, has, has ripped that page out of the book and and applied it. He takes the studio and then he batches it into the, you know, what's going to work for him. And he creates instruments. um, He invents things and, and then, and then makes them work into, uh, you know, beautiful pieces of music. And I think that's exactly what Eno was doing.
0: That, that is the resonance of Dan Deacon is that it's not about, uh, Necessarily, the gear you have. I know so many people are like, if I just get this, if I just get this piece of gear, then I'm and then I'm gonna make something. Or I just get this guitar, and and we've all, we've all been that person. Um, but it's not about that. It's about there's there's a voice uh, inside you. If you uh, have the will to create that is trying to say something
2: yeah yeah i mean use what you have in front of you um you know dan deacon talks about how he you know doesn't feel he has a great voice but he uses that to his advantage he pushes himself into vulnerable places you know he'll use effects to treat his voice and get it to work the way he needs to work i think that's what he's doing with everything he he has equipment around him but then he spends time with it to figure out how to make it work for him. Um, and uh, I think that's what everybody should do. You know, anybody that's, you know, musician, you have gear in front of you, you might not be able to afford a couple hundred thousand dollar disc levier, but you know, right, he, right. he, he, he couldn't, and you know, maybe until recently, but I think he's always just made the studio and the gear work that he has work for him. And he's found creative ways to, uh, you know, put unique music out into the world and uh, that's awesome
1: yeah
0: and, and there's there's no such thing as there's certainly such a thing as musical knowledge and, and you should especially if you, if you are wanting to be a musician or are a musician should always be striving to know how something uh, works. You know how an opera is supposed to be composed, how uh, a punk song is, but you should know all these things. But there's no such thing as purity and expression. Um, there is only like exceptionalism, uh, and people who who succeed at at moving you to feel something, and that's that's literally the point of everything, I think.
2: Right. Um, Yeah, and I mean, no matter what's going on to kind of put that album together, your knowledge of composition, how you use the gear, all of that kind of stuff, how you mix it, engineer it, the only thing ultimately that matters is what's coming out of the speaker and how it makes people feel. Yep. And this album definitely made me feel good. It's not a party album. You know, it's not this, like, kind of super feel-good album per se, but it's an album that definitely, like, made me feel really good um and and you know for that 45 minutes or whatever it it really took me out of the the world you know the chaos the stress anxiety all of that kind of stuff and just put me in a in a nice peaceful place where i felt that it was a shared experience with you know the world around me humanity nature all of that kind of stuff so yeah kind of touchy-feely stuff but uh I'm, I'm, yeah, favorite album of 2020 so far.
0: Nice, nice. Uh, Well, thanks for hanging out, Drew. We're going to take a quick break uh, and come back. Dickens Mystic Familiar is available everywhere you can buy. Find records, That's just to go out and do that now. I picked up my copy at Exclusive Company right here in Milwaukee, up on Farwell, if you know the area. A uh, great big record store, actually. There's a bunch. That, that and Rushmore and Agme, are where I generally... generally go bankrupt, uh, but uh, but that story uh, has a lot of like newer releases and stuff like that, And so I went up there and picked it up, and I uh, don't regret it for a second, had a nice little session with me and the cats just hanging out, nice quiet evening, uh, listening to this, put us in a little headspace, it was, uh, it was highly enjoyable, and you can recreate that if you go out and uh, get that piece of wax and put it on your turntable, so get out there and do that, kids. Uh, before we get out of here, I want to talk about a band that I, uh, quite frankly, love, the North Country made one of my favorite albums of all time, There Is Nothing to Fear. Uh, there's an episode way back on that, uh, when, with its lead, about the album, but also with its leader, Andrew Grossman. Uh, you should go back and check out. Maybe we'll put it in the show notes. But the point is, uh, this is one of the mightiest bands out of D.C. that you may or may not have heard of. Uh, they've gone through a bunch of different iterations. Their current one features the likes of uh, Laura Halsey and Morgan MacDonald, uh, people... Familiar with the DC scene will know that, uh, but this is also I think their most ambitious work to date. Uh, they're working towards something. They're dropping singles. They're going down the South by Southwest to tour, and this single "Freaks" just dropped the other day, and it encapsulates everything I think that Andrew is about, and everything his band is about, and everything we should be about, uh, which is just being true to ourselves, and uh, and that is that is a mighty mighty message from a mighty mighty band. Here in 2020. So now I'm going to let you hear it. Here is Freaks, uh, the latest single from the mighty North Country out of Washington, D.C. <laughs>
1: But I don't understand reasons. What they say they do. I have
0: the north country they are coming for your hearts they uh this, this tracks just kills uh all of them do. It, this has been uh one of the best parts about running this site this podcast and everything is watching this band develop uh, like i said they are they are probably my favorite band in dc uh when i was there uh still are and uh, and they just if they come to your town help them party down and uh and help them be a band Buy tickets, buy merch, buy all that. Uh, They're amazing. So hopefully uh, we'll be hearing a lot more about them this year. Maybe get Andrew back on. We'll see. That is it. We are out of here for this episode of Discologist. If you like what you heard, you can follow us on all the socials. You can do yourself a solid and subscribe to us on iTunes or whatever your podcast platform is. Whatever you listen to us on, uh, do that. And then uh, tell all your friends. Uh, coming up in the next week or so, I think we're going to be talking about some morphine. a uh, Not a lost album, their last album, uh, The Night, which is, which is kind of amazing. Uh, and also uh, Moses Sumney put out a new album or half of a new album and i think we're gonna be getting to that amongst other things and then uh coming up early march if the coronavirus doesn't get all of us i'm gonna be traveling down to washington dc sir so good friends in hallelujah the hills play a show at seven drum city i hope to see all you dc people there and uh Maybe if anybody wants from Milwaukee wants to come, I leave uh, well, I'm not posted my flight information. Uh, but you can come travel with me, and we'll hang out. Okay, okay, all right. Be safe out there, kids. Uh, good to each other. And-
2: Kenobi